Okay, welcome. And we're going to get started now. We are in Leviticus 9. Oh, hopefully he'll call back. I don't know why it's being all wonky. I told him if he could call me to call me. Okay. I don't know if he has the credit. On Skype, yeah, he, sh he should be able to. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. so that's okay. Yeah. Um, so Leviticus 9, and let me see. I don't know where. I'm in the wrong spot. I thought I was looking to the right page, and I'm not. Um, okay, so on the eighth day, we're in the middle of, you're joining us back in the part with all the, mm -hmm. the liver and the kidney, that's and the, that's your favorite part, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> so on the eighth day, Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel, and he said to Aaron, take for yourself a bull calf for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering, both without blemish, and offer them before the Lord. And say to the people of Israel, take a male goat for a sin offering and a calf and a lamb, both a year old without blemish for a burnt offering, and an ox and a ram for peace offerings to sacrifice before the Lord, and a grain offering mixed with oil, for today the Lord will appear to you. And they brought what Moses commanded in front of the tent of meeting, and all the congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. And Moses said, this is the thing that the Lord commanded you to do, that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. Then Moses said to Aaron, draw near to the altar and offer your sin offering and your burnt offering and make atonement for yourself and for the people and bring the offering of the people and make atonement for them as the Lord has commanded. So Aaron drew near to the altar and killed the calf of the sin offering, which was for himself. And the sons of Aaron presented the blood to him, and he dipped his finger in the blood and put it on the horns of the altar and poured out the blood at the base of the altar. But the fat and the kidneys and the long lobe of the liver from the sin offering he burned on the altar as the Lord commanded Moses. The flesh and the skin he burned up with fire outside the camp. Then he killed the burnt offering, and Aaron's sons handed him the blood, and he threw it against the sides of the altar. And they handed the burnt offering to him piece by piece and the head, and he burned them on the altar. And he washed the entrails and the legs and burned them with the burnt offering on the altar. Then he presented the people's offering and took the goat of the sin offering that was for the people and killed it and offered it as a sin offering like the first one. And he presented the burnt offering and offered it according to the rule. And he presented the grain offering, took a handful of it, and burned it on the altar besides the burnt offering of the morning. Then he killed the ox and the ram, the sacrifice of peace offerings for the people. And Aaron's sons handed him the blood, and he threw it against the sides of the altar. But the fat pieces of the ox and of the ram, the fat tail, and that which covers the entrails, and the kidneys, and the long lobe of the liver, they put the fat pieces on the breasts, and he burned the fat pieces on the altar. But the breasts and the right thigh Aaron waved for a wave offering before the Lord, as Moses commanded. Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them, and he came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting, and when they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Okay, so this isn't, you know... Mos or this isn't Aaron threw some lighter fluid on the fire and it came up. It was fire came out. <laughs> and, and, yeah, it would fall on my face too. <laughs> and, you know, the shout was probably like, ah! And, <laughs> and the dropping down. Not, not some, oh, that's amazing! You know, like, imagine gunshots and you hit the deck. And it's like, wow. And... The fact that God was going to come and be there, why it had to be, they had to be all purified. Now, I only did one chapter loaded, I only did one chapter in Leviticus because we keep, it keeps taking so long to get through the chapters and then this was just a short chapter and I didn't realize that when I was loading it. So, I don't know if we want to keep reading, I can keep recording it. I think mm -hmm. 10 is probably then going to be like 75,000 pages. Um... Only a slight exaggeration. No, it's uh, 20 verses. Oh, okay. It's not that long. Well, why don't we go ahead? We'll keep reading. We'll keep reading. And then, um, uh, so, the sons of Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, each took his fire pin. They put fire in them and placed incense upon it. And they brought before Hashem an alien fire that he had not commanded them. Okay. Generally not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
So did they do it out of order or, or what? No, they brought, they, they are doing, um, the commentary basically says, uh, uh, it says, well, 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 let me let me get to what happened because the the commentary talks about that. Um, it says uh, a fire came forth from before um, the Lord and consumed them, and they died before Him. Yeah. Moses, yeah. Sorry. Oh, that's it's eleven o'clock. Okay, so basically, what they say here is. Um, the death of Nadab and Abihu, just when the joy of the inauguration ritual had reached its peak, tragedy struck. Aaron's two oldest sons, men whom Moses described as the most outstanding sons of the nation, performed an unauthorized service and lost their lives. The behavior of Moses and Aaron in the face of this grievous loss gave further testimony to their own greatness and brought about a new and greater sanctification of God's name which we, we haven't gotten quite to that yet. The sages and the commentators offer a wide range of interpretations regarding the actual deed of Nadab and Abihu, why they did it, and why it caused their death. <clears throat> Very briefly, we offer the major opinions of the primary commentators and a perspective on the underlying flaw that caused Nadab and Abihu to err. Okay? So, the first idea is the sin of bringing unbidden incense. Most commentators follow Sifra that Nadab and Abihu erred in bringing their own incense into the Holy of Holies, where even uh, the high priest may enter only on Yom Kippur. Okay, so they th this, this thought is that they left what was going on at the altar, got all excited, and ran into the Holy of Holies with special incense for the Lord. And they had no right to be in the Holy of Holies. They were not sanctified for the Holy of Holies. And they were not the person set apart to be in the Holy of Holies. Let alone bringing their own special incense gift. Um, it says, uh, Rambam and Rebachia, however, contend that it is inconceivable that Nadab and Abihu would have taken it upon themselves to enter the holiest part of the sanctuary, something that even their father had not been commanded or authorized to do as of yet. Rather, they offered the regular daily incense upon the inner altar, though they had not been commanded to do so. So they just think they did it out of order. They did, they did something, something that was commanded and their responsibility, but not told to do at that time. Um, the question of why did they take it upon themselves to do so? Seeing the great display of love that God showered upon Israel by sending a heavenly fire to consume the offering, they wished to reciprocate with a display of their own love of God. They used the incense as their means of doing so. Knowing that there was a commandment to bring fire and incense every day and seeing that Moses had not yet told anyone to do so, they assumed that they should act on their own. Moses, however, was waiting for the descent of the heavenly fire. He wanted the very first incense to be kindled with God's own fire in order to cause a sanctification of God's name, is what Rashbam says. So, so what we know for certain is that they did something that God had not... Can you scratch your back? <laughs> They did something. They, they did something that God had not commanded to be done, and in the presence of God's holy fire. Mm. And so, um, you know, but I, it's very, very easy to to look at this. And a lot of times, the teachings on this will be: see, they disobeyed, and God struck them dead. Mm -hmm. But what I see going, you know, throughout Scripture is is much more along the lines of, as we've just read, God is a holy fire. And if you, if you sin or err in, in the presence of fire, you get burnt. And so it's not, God's specific instructions were for the safety and, and, and sanctity of the people. I'm going to come into your presence. This is how you need to behave so that you don't get damaged from being in my presence. Um, I always, my, my aunt, when she taught me how to swim in the ocean, um, they lived out in Laguna Beach and we would go out there and I, I think I was maybe seven or eight, maybe nine. And she took me out in the ocean and, and she kind of held me there. We went out, to, so the water was kind of up, you know, where we were having to bob to, to deal with the waves. And, and she said, the ocean is so much bigger than you are. And the ocean operates by its own rules. And you don't have the ability to change them. So, so I'm going to teach you how the ocean works. Mm -hmm. 
And once you understand it and learn these things, then you can be in the ocean and have lots of wonderful fun. But if you start, if you forget the ocean's rules or you start thinking you're bigger than the ocean, you will die. And, and that always, you know, that really stuck with me. And when I started, you know, reading these things, I'm going, you know, I think, really think that this is just a matter of in the presence of God, <laughs> you follow the rules or you will get injured. And, um, you know, in fact, we were reading in our, in one of our, uh, we, we go through the, the Action Bible in the morning with the kids as our part of our homeschool day. And I hadn't realized, because this ha something similar happens later on when David is trying to bring the ark from the city where they've been protecting it to Jerusalem. And, and uh, one of the, one of the guards, um, the, the ark is going to fall and he goes to grab it. And he dies instantly. And what had not ever really struck me before until I was, you know, looking at the, the graphic novel picture and, and reading the way they talked. And, and they actually said, you know, it had been so long since they had moved the ark that they had forgotten God's instructions. But they had put it on an ox cart and they were moving it and it toppled. And so... They, after that, they stopped, and David actually went and had them pull out the scrolls and read, how are we supposed to transport this? And then they carried it by the poles. Only Levites carried it, and they went ahead of it with singing and dancing. And, and so, you know, did the guard do the wrong thing by trying to stop it from falling and hitting the ground? No, except that. It never should have been on the ox cart. The guard wasn't a Levite. He didn't have the ability, and he hadn't been purified to touch it. So basically, they were just doing the whole thing. You know, let's, let's, let's get that ark here. This is a good thing. This is a wonderful thing. But they did it their own way. And that didn't work out well. <laughs> so then they stopped, backed up, and said, wait, how are we supposed to do this? I guess how? just like you said about the ocean. If yeah. If you can't swim, and you go out into the middle of the ocean, and it right. can't get you. Good is gone. Exactly. You and know, it doesn't matter what you try to do to yeah, stop your it. Your intentions might have been nice, but mm -hmm. I just want to enjoy this, but you didn't follow the rules. Right. You didn't, you didn't know how to, you know, there are ways to deal with When a big wave is coming, you either catch it and ride it or you go under it. You know, they're, they're, but if you just sit there and let it slam into you, you're going to, yeah, you're going to, you can't breathe. You're going to get tossed all around. So, so, you know, so it's, yay, you, you know, even if you were just motivated by love and you want to do this great thing for God, you don't just go running in. Your, your ideas are not bigger than his. Your ideas are not what's driving this, this train. You know, you're either on it or you're, or you're off of it. So Moses said to Aaron, of this did Hashem speak, of this did the Lord speak, saying, I will be sanctified through those who are nearest to me, thus I will be honored before the entire people. And Aaron was silent. So Aaron's, Aaron's response to his son's dying was to accept it. He, he resigned himself to it. He was there for a purpose. He was in the midst uh, of this. Um, it says, Moses summoned Mishael and Elzaphan, sons of Aaron's uncle Uziel, and said to them, approach, carry your brothers out of the sanctuary to the outside of the camp. They approached and carried them by their tunics to the outside of the camp as Moses had spoken. Moses said to Aaron and to his sons, Eleazar and Ithamar, do not leave your heads unshorn and do not rend your garments that you not die and, and he, or the Lord, become wrathful with the entire assembly, and your brethren, the entire house of Israel, shall bewail the conflagration that the Lord ignited. Do not leave the entrance to the, of the tent of meeting, lest you die, for the Lord's oil of anointment is upon you. And they carried out Moses' bidding. Okay, now he's not saying, don't be sad, you know, don't, don't, you know, you should be cold about this. Basically, what he's saying to them is, you are in the midst of an incredibly important and holy atonement ceremony. Do not defile yourself. Don't, don't, don't engage in the acts of mourning during this, because otherwise, that will sweep the nation with you, and, and they may curse God for what's happened. You know, you, you, you carry, finish. Not only would you not have completed the atonement service, so that the people could be in right standing with God, but you would take them away from the Lord. Yeah. And and there are there are times 
you know, when, when you're, when you're in a situation, um, there, there aren't very, there are times where you do need to stop. And I think it should kind of always be something in our minds is how is my public reaction going to affect other people? You know, how, how is my, my response to this situation? Is it going to, is it going to further the kingdom? Is it going to help anybody? Is it, you know, am I just spewing my big feelings everywhere or am I actually, you know, am I, am I doing the right thing? So, so, you know, they, they finished up the service. Hashem spoke to, er, the Lord spoke to Aaron saying, do not drink intoxicating wine, you and your sons with you, when you come to the tent of meeting that you not die. This is an eternal decree for you, for your generations. In order to distinguish between the sacred and the profane and between the contaminated and the pure and to teach the children of Israel all the decrees that the Lord has spoken to them through Moses. In other words, if you're drunk when you're trying to do your job, Maybe You're not going to do it right. <laughs> Maybe the other two sons were a little tipsy. To and make their judgment off like that. Like they yes. thought they could approach where they shouldn't be. Yes. And that's, <laughs> their judgment was that is kind of a thought that I have had um, on this is that this is kind to me, if, that, if that's not a factor, it's kind of an odd response yeah. from God yeah. to say, yeah. you know, don't publicly mourn your sons, and you know, for the future, don't get drunk before you come in. If, um, okay. I know, right? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, the other the other thought is maybe Aaron was given to a little bit of drink, and God was, you know, maybe that's how he would have handled the death of his sons. Yeah. You know, and maybe God was just saying, by the way, don't don't start drinking because you're in the temple and. You don't want to do the wrong thing, you know. So, so I, I definitely, it's an interesting thing to stick in there. Um, so Moses spoke to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithamar, his remaining sons, take the meat offering that is left from the fire offerings of the Lord and eat it unleavened near the altar, for it is the most holy. You shall eat it in a holy place, for it is your portion and the portion of your sons from the fire offerings of the Lord. For so have I been commanded. And the breast of the waving and the thigh of the raising up, you shall eat in a pure place, you and your sons and daughters with you. For they have been given as your portion and the portion of your sons from the feast peace offerings of the children of Israel. They are to bring the thigh of the raising up and the breast of the waving upon the fire offering fats to wave as a wave service before the Lord. And it shall be for you and your sons with you for an eternal decree as the Lord has commanded. Moses inquired insistently about the he-goat of the sin offering, for behold, it had been burned. And he was wrathful with Eleazar and Ithamar, Aaron's remaining sons, saying, Why did you not eat the sin offering in the place of holiness? For it is most holy. And he gave it to you to gain forgiveness for the sin of the assembly and to atone for them before the Lord. Behold, its blood was not brought into the sanctuary within. You should have eaten it in the holy as I commanded. Aaron spoke to Moses, was it they who, the, who this day offered their sin offering and their elevation offering before the Lord? Now that such things befell me, were I to eat this day's sin offering, would the Lord approve? Moses heard and he approved. So that's, it's kind of, again, an awful um, thing, but basically, basically they didn't do, you know, they didn't process the meal the way the Lord had commanded, and then Moses got all upset. And then from, from Aaron's response, it says, we deduce from Aaron's response that he was responding to another possible reason why they might have burnt the offering. Since the service of an onan is disqualified, the offering that they perform would have had to be burned. So to spell this idea, Aaron said that it was not they, but he, the high priest, who had performed the day's entire service. And a high priest is permitted to serve in that way. However, he went on to say, even though the service was properly performed, no one was permitted to eat the offering, for even a high priest may not eat while he is... Um, grieving, I think. So basically, there's there's this. Um, it says, as soon as Moses heard Aaron's reasoning, he conceded that Aaron was right. In a demonstration of the humility that was at the essence of his greatness, Moses did not attempt to defend his position. Instead, he admitted without embarrassment that God had instructed him only with regard to the specific offerings of the day, just as Aaron and his sons had assumed, but he had forgotten. So basically, we've got the very first service they go in to do kind of gets bungled. Which just, you know, because we're people and we do dumb things <laughs> and we think we know better or we yeah. think we understand. You know, which is one of the reasons why I, I love that the threefold meaning of Shema is hear, understand, and obey. 
because so often we want to hear and obey. Mm -hmm. Or we expect people to hear and obey. We assume they understand. Mm -hmm. and, and when that understanding isn't there, you know, clearly there were some things missing here. Um, and at the same time, once they were in mourning, it kind of changed the situation. You know, kind of, it kind of changed how things were done. And, uh, and Moses had to adapt. So, so that's our, yeah, the, of course, the one, last week I don't do it, but this week when I go to do just one chapter, it ends up being like a page and a half. So, <laughs> I don't know that I'll ever get it right. <laughs> so, finishing up in 1 John, 1 John 5. Um, and we've been talking about, you know, if you love the Lord, you walk in the light, you live in the light. You do what he commands. You you are righteous before him. You love your neighbor. If you say you love your neighbor, or if, yeah. If you say you if you say you love God and you hate on your neighbor, you're a liar. And and so um, so First John five. This is the last chapter for First John. He says, "Everyone who believes that Yeshua is the Messiah, did, did you find it? No, no. Way way back in the back before Revelation." Get to Revelation, but you've gone too far. Barely. Yeah, just but just barely, like a couple pages. It's back in it's back in um, what I call the the northeast of the Bible, where <laughs> back forty. Yeah, where, where you can where you can go through. When we were up in when we went back east uh, and we drove through five states in four hours, we were just shocked because we're used to four hours and you're still in Arizona no matter what direction you've gone. <laughs> And we're like, hey, now entering. Hey, now leaving, you know. <laughs> so everyone who believes that Yeshua is the Messiah has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. You know, and I love, you know, how John is just over and over... So much of the church wants to say, oh, the commandments don't apply to us. And here's John going, yeah, a lot of the church believes that Jesus came to do away with the commandments. And, and yet here John is very adamant again and again and again. No, this is how we know we're his children. We follow his rules. This is how we know we're swimming in the ocean wisely. We do what it says. This is how we know we're serving properly. We're not offering strange fire. You know, we're learning who the Lord is. We're learning what, how he tells us to live, and we're living it. And he says, and his commandments are not burdensome. Mm -hmm. You know, which is the other, the counterbalance to it. When I talk to people who are trying to live by the commandments, and they are burdened, and they are, I don't know how to do this. How do I do this? Then I, I go, okay, you're, you're not understanding something. And, and... You know, God's commandments are not burdensome. So somehow you're, you're missing something. You're trying to do it, in, you know, it, you're, you're engaging in legalism. And legalism is never joyful. You know, it's always oppressive. And, and so you need, to, you need to step back. You need to study some more. You need to, you need to step away and, and, and engage in what bring, you know, what, where the joy is. And ask God to show you what you're supposed to be doing. You know, the, like, the, like even with even with the Sabbath, if it's a if it's a miserable, horrible burden to try and honor the Sabbath, you may be missing the point, and you you know you may be doing it wrong. Um, you know, and 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 that's not to say because sometimes sometimes there are there are things that God tells us to do that we grumble with. You know, I'm not saying that just, just because you don't want to do it doesn't mean God's not commanding it. But it, it, it should be something that brings a benefit to your life. It should bring a joy to your life. If you're trying to do it and there, there's no benefit coming from it, you know, then, then you've got to step back and go, what am I missing? Where's the love in this? Where's the relationship in this? He says, uh, verse 4, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Yeshua is the Son of God? Once you once you really accept that, you're you're free. You know, you're you're free to actually have that life. So this is he who came by water and blood, Yeshua Hamashiach, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. 
and the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Right, so this, is, this does not say, if you're saved, anything you ask of God, you're going to get. You know, I know, that's how people <laughs> interpret it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I ask the Lord for it. I've heard that so much in churches. Yes. You know what oh my God, well, yeah. and, and it becomes, well, if you really are saved, yeah. then if you ask for it, you would have gotten it. So if you didn't get it, maybe you're not saved. Yeah, yeah. Or, or yeah. you know, if you had enough faith, you would have gotten it. You must not trust the Lord enough for it. Right, yeah. what you, you hidden sin. <laughs> I love that one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> sin. Well, yeah. obviously I can't see it, but there must be it's some hidden, hidden so sin. Deep, not even you know. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, she's been around. <laughs> <laughs> she's yeah, never heard that. <laughs> Yeah. And and there is a place for that. We should always be examining ourselves. That's you know, Paul true. does say, you know, be be ask God to shine a light on you. Examine yourself. He says, I, I I'm always asking the Lord, show me where I need to grow. Show me what I need to do. But that should be part of our walk with the Lord. And and there there's no counter comment that says, and if you don't get, you know, this is what it means. Because this is what it really says is if we ask anything according to his will, mm -hmm. which means the Lord has a plan. If you align with the Lord's plan and you're asking things that work with his plan, you're going to see him working. If you're asking, for just for example, a lot of times people will, will ask, you know, can, can you pray that my husband will change? It's up to your husband. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because I'm sure that the Lord wants him to change, just like he wants all of us to change. Mm -hmm. But if your husband doesn't also want to change, you know, and so a lot of times people, I, I've seen people stay with, you know, in, in just really horrible situations because they're just trying to keep faith that the Lord will change their spouse. And I'm like, he has stated over and over he doesn't want to change, both in action and in word. What are you wanting the Lord to do? Are you sure you're praying according to his plan, you know, according to his will? And, and you know, and it, and it says, you know, when we pray according to his will, he hears us. And so I really think that a big part, I, I think the, a big point of prayer is an opportunity for God to bring us in agreement with his ideas. You know, not for us to just petition God with our ideas. You know, when we come, before, the, the whole idea of, but not my will, but yours be done. You know, we, we, we can bring our ideas. God, Lord, this is where I am. This is what I'm wanting. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I, I, I'm seeing, I think should happen. Um, do you agree? You know, <laughs> what, what are your thoughts? <laughs> you know, what does the word have to say about this? What, you know, what is, am I, am I being boundaried? Am I... Am I trying to change the other person or am I accepting what they're saying? You know, th these, these are the things we can work out in prayer. And then when we are in agreement with the Lord and we're praying according to his will, we see amazing things happen. You know, when, when, God, when God reveals to us, this is what I'm doing, and we get on board and go, yeah, yeah. I'm going to pray that out. I'm going to pray in agreement with that. Because God can bring people into their lives or situations mm -hmm. that would help them, you know, come to that realization or 
you know, bring some type of change. I've, I've seen people that, in other words, that have been prayed for for years, and then eventually they do come to know Christ, but there was like a series of events that happened right. in that happening. Right. In other words, God didn't say, okay, I'm taking your free will here, boom. Yeah. Yeah, no, you should but, change. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they still have their free will because right. they had it. To say yes to him when that time came, but that's definitely not an overnight process. A right. Lot of times. A lot of times we have to get it's out of the way. Happen. That's exactly right. You know, we're trying. We're so busy trying to orchestrate. We're trying to. We're trying to run in with our fire and go. No, this is what you know. God likes incense. Let's run in with some fire. You know, we're trying to control the situation. And it's like, no, you need to. You need to get on board with what God's doing. Yeah. And get excited about that, and then you'll then you'll see these amazing things. Especially if it's family members, because a lot of times they don't listen to us. Right. You know, they knew us before we knew Christ. And so like, yes, we don't have the voice. She's trying to tell me. That's right. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Right, so. so verse 16, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. Hmm. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. Mm. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. Okay. Yeah, My take know. on these verses. <laughs> Had you not read that one before? <laughs> or, or I know I read it for I read it for years and I never really thought about it and um, what's a sin that leads to death? That's what I'm trying to I think, think of in my mind. Well, because we murder. Oh, well, okay. that and I, I think, I think that what he's saying here, because we've talked about the the korban and the different. Are punished by death. I, yes, I think that's a part of it, and there is, you know, there is, there is the being cut off, mm -hmm. you know, that we read about, where you might die young, or or you might your you know your soul might not get the world to come, even if you live a long life. I think that's part of those sins, but I, I think that what he's taught, I, I think that what his point here is, is if I see you about to engage in a sin that will bring about your death or the death of someone else, okay. be it spiritual death, physical death, you know, an imminent mm -hmm. big issue, I have an obligation to you to try and throw myself in your path and block you. But if I see you committing a sin that doesn't lead to death, I need to step back and pray. Because I might not have the ability to be heard by you. I might not be the one who's... How, how, many, how many people, you know, we've all... We've all had people and been the person <laughs> that that is trying to get someone to understand mm -hmm. that what they're doing is wrong. Right. And they're defending themselves and they, they get entrenched and it's, you know, it, it's the wrong timing or we're not the right person or, or they're just not ready to see it. And so I think, I think that John is very specifically saying, if the sin isn't going to lead to death, back up. See, I, I kind of look at it, and I'll agree with you on that part. Mm -hmm. If you do a sin that's not going to be that way, mm -hmm. pray for it. You're savable. You know, you, right. You stole the loaf of bread or whatnot. You're, you can get past it. But yet, on the other hand, if I see you about ready to kill your husband, you're a lost cause. And and then and that's how I'm getting yeah, it. Yeah, and then maybe part of but I think that I think that there has to be that effort. If you love the person, there is going to be that effort of trying to stop them. But yeah, if but, I mean, but that's not but here I'm seeing not seeing anywhere it says take action or do anything. It's you know, part of praying for them. You know, it's like you're that's what I mean. If you're going to that far, you're a lost. And cause. and that and that may be you that may be part of it too. You are unsavable, period. You've done the worst there is. And 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 I can yeah I can see I can see that I can see that, um, I yeah and and I I think that his focus I do think that his focus here is more on what to do in the sins that don't lead to death. You know what I mean? I I think I I see what you're saying and I can see I can see the idea of the value in trying you know trying to stop them, 
But I think that I, a lot of times, a lot of times people feel this urgent need to change you or fix you in sin areas that don't lead to death. And I think that what he's saying here is, yeah, back off. <laughs> you know, back off. Let, let, you know, you don't need to do that. And, and um, you know, I think the idea is like, you know, that if you know your brother's going to be sinning, that, that you go to him and, or, you, you know, and you go as witnesses and then you eventually you write them off. If they're adamant about this, you do. There is that point where you go, okay, you're out. You know, yeah, we can't, we my, can't harbor this. My Bible commentary talks, this, this one of the sins leading to death is like with false teachers or someone who deliberately wants to worship the devil. <laughs> That's what it's talking about in here. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Children of the devil. So how? So let's let's see. How would so if that's the case? How would that work? That like if there's a false teacher, mm -hmm. you wouldn't step back and pray for them. So that's kind of. So do they mean false teacher? Like they're deliberately being a false teacher. It's not like you know some people are astray and they just know they know. You know I what they're. But I think deliberate yeah, to say, I choose Satan and I want to be one of his teachers, his instrument, or whatever. I, that's what I, I think, kind of get. I think that's there's both. Deliberately knowing, you know. I, I think, I think I there's know. both. I think there's both. both. Mm -hmm. Because <laughs> if mm -hmm. someone is teaching false things, mm -hmm. they are leading people astray. Mm -hmm. Even if they believe it. Uh -huh. Even if they believe 100% that they're correct, mm -hmm. I think that we have a, uh, and, and I think that this is kind of what he's talked about a little earlier, and I think Peter kind of touched on this too, is that if, so, or, or Titus, Paul to Titus, if somebody's teaching false things, mm -hmm. you can't just go, oh, they have the best of intentions, you know, we'll, right, we'll, right. Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll figure it out. I mean, if someone is believing well, and doing those things, it, but I wouldn't think that'd be a sin worthy of death when they are. Yeah, that's all right intentions. They they had good meaning behind it, just they were taught wrong themselves. And it might depend on what the teaching is. You know, but if you go in there knowing I'm, this is wrong, but I'm going to sucker you into believing it, that's malice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think that there is an element of it depends. It depends on the it depends on what the false teaching is. If the false teaching is something that will lead to the death of the people, you know, spiritual death, or you know, if they're teaching a false messiah, mm -hmm. if they're teaching, um, you know, something that's going to that by engaging in that they'll they'll be cut off from God. But and and it's interesting, and I think it's an I think it's an interesting command, you know, interesting instruction in here. Um, but I kind of I kind of don't look at it so much as trying to figure out what to do about the sins that lead to death, as what he's trying to say here is the ones that don't lead to death. Back off. You know, it's kind of like I, I I was saying last week. I I try not to focus. I try not to you know make a big deal about sin issues that I might see in someone. Um, I don't look at someone's sin issue and go, oh, see, you're still sinning in this. Obviously, you're not saved. Because there are, you know, if they are saved, there are issues that God is working with them on. Right. You know, it's, you might be, you know, you might be doing this thing that I think is horrible, but God's focus is your adulterous thoughts, you know, or your, or your, or you're having an affair. God's really trying to you know, get your attention and pull you out of it. Because that leads to death, you know, but we don't know you're doing that. So I'm over here. I, I've, I've had situations where, you know, there was, there was a friend who, um, you know, he, he was smoking. And the group that we were a part of, not, not that I'm a big fan of, of smoking with my, my allergy, but God doesn't actually come out and say it's a sin. Mm -hmm. So it's not a sin issue. And... And, you know, I know you can make arguments, temple of the Holy Spirit, you know, whatever. But 
all the time, every time we were praying as a group, it was all, you know, he was always asking for prayer for this or for, you know, I, I really need God to help me stop smoking. And it's always been, I've, you know, gone this. There was so much focus on his smoking. And yet in other areas of his life, he was engaging in way bigger issues. And eventually he walked away from the Lord. And I think all that time that everybody spent focusing on his smoking and nobody was talking to him about these other things and nobody was accountable to him. And, and, and I don't know if he was kind of drawing people's attention away from those other things by let's focus on the smoking because I don't want anyone commenting on these things. You know? <laughs> but, no. what? Yeah. she bites her tongue. <laughs> no, no. You know, but, but it's, it's, you know, okay, if you want prayer to help stop smoking, if that's your goal, then that's fine. But so much, so much focus. So in verse 8, and, and he says in 17, all wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. Yeah. Okay. So we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. And again, that's, that's pursuing sin, you know, does, doesn't, doesn't desire sin. You know, it's like, it's like the people that, that they get married and the week of their wedding, they're out having affairs. You know, it's like, you didn't really get married. <laughs> you know? I don't know that we can call this a marriage. <laughs> this is, you had a little ceremony, but you're... Yeah, yeah. It's like, you, this, this is, no, this is not right. So, but he who was born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Okay, that is not saying that the evil one has power over the whole world. And is, you know, Because a lot of times there's, there's like this picture of it's a big battle between God and Satan and they're these equal foes and you have to pick sides. He's really just saying, you know, the people who are not of God, the people who are not part of God's kingdom, the kingdoms of the world are, uh, they are in that position because they are under the influence of the evil one. That, that is their chosen Lord. Now, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son Yeshua HaMashiach. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. That just seems random. I know! <laughs> that just that's seems random. random. <laughs> and that's, that's the, how he ends the letter. <laughs> So it's kind of like big theological point. See you soon. You know? uh, yeah. <laughs> well, keep yourself from idols. I'm wondering if that has something to do with the sins that are related to death. Yeah, probably. And and it's you know one of the things that I I my my response when I see references or comments about idolatry and stuff is. We very often think of, you know, oh, worshiping an idol. It, and it's, I don't know that we as a culture fully appreciate what that means. And I, and I think that, that we can kind of like, you know, our culture a lot of times make, makes idols, you know, out of, out of the TV, the media, you know, um, out of sports. You know, that we, we can have lots of idols. But generally... Idol worship, it, it's, they were going and having, engaging in, you know, horrible sexual sins mm -hmm. and, and, and debauchery and, and real evil. And there were people who were saying, there, there were a lot of false teachings going, well, it's okay, that's just what your flesh is doing. You know, you know your spirit's good. And, and there, there was all of this really big cultural clash going on between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world in these communities. It's like, you know, what, but they're saying, I don't, I don't have to stop going down to the temple and, and engaging in all of this because my soul is good before God. And a lot of the stuff that they're writing is, no, <laughs> you know? keep your whole self holy, keep your whole self clean before the Lord. You don't keep go you don't keep sinning. You don't keep going down to the temple and engaging in all of this, you know, debauchery. You you purify yourselves. And so I do think that that is a lot of the false teaching and a lot of the the um, 
you know, and, and maybe that's part of the focus on the big things. You know, let's let's deal with the big things. Let's let the little things be between them and the Lord. Yeah. Because if any of you going down to a pagan temple, I will say something. <laughs> and not okay. <laughs> Are you walking to our home to see the statue with? Yeah. Yes. No, with oh. Like, oh, oh, that's man. interesting. Let's that's your pagan idol. Okay. <laughs> so I went ahead and did Second John also, which is, I. You, it's actually, I think, shorter. Well, no, it is shorter than volume. I think this may be yeah. the shortest book in the whole Bible. Second John. Second John. Is this one chapter? Yeah. Well, it's yeah two paragraphs in. Wow. <laughs> so the elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth. Now, who is the elect lady and her children? Yeah. Nobody knows. Okay. <laughs> Some people believe that this that this is being written to um, a community where where you know a woman was leading this church in her home oh, and yeah. you know and and her so her and the people in her in her congregation. Um, some people believe that the elect lady is a a church community, you know, um, kind of like the letters in Revelation, how it's written to you know that that, that that's kind of a a logo. A what? A logo. Well, kind of, um, an analogy or, or a, not, that's not the word I can't think of. Metaphor. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> very good. Yes, very good. A metaphor. The, and, and, you know, either way, you know, it's obviously, it, it's written to a community here. Oh, okay. And he's saying, you know, uh, and it is to the elder. So even if, ele uh, to the elect lady, but a, a lot of times that the, the position the person... Yeah, but the person, the person who, the position that people take over what that means generally has to do with whether they can accept that there was a female elder or not. People who the elder from me to the elect, the elder to the lady, from me to you. That is that is also an interesting take. Yes. Yeah. No, that's and and I that's. I love how you kind of throw in those obvious things, and I, you know, I'll, I'll be looking because I'll be looking. The debate is over whether this could be written to a woman or not, and there's all sorts of debate. Is he shaking the table? <laughs> oh, <laughs> so but it's the elder to the elect lady and her children. Um, uh, yeah, and over who? But over who the elect lady is? Is it a church or is it a particular woman? And there's all this raging debate about it. Uh, so whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also, also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Yeshua HaMashiach, the Father's Son, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, so really... I think it just, I really think that it's written to a woman because otherwise it's, it would be really weird to write to our congregation and keep calling us, us, dear lady, <laughs> yeah. you know, dear lady, Shema congregation, dear lady, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, and now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Yeshua HaMashiach in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Messiah... Um, I lost my place. Does not have God. Thank you. With what? But if you're still a Jew, it's not not a Christian. Then you must. Well, I think it does not. You didn't go ahead and believe it that Jesus came. Well, it has to do with does does not does not have God. There there are um, yes and. <laughs> yes, and there there are people who um, 
I think that there are people, everyone who is saved is saved by Messiah. I think that there are people who are saved who don't necessarily understand that. If that makes sense. Like they, they like you hear from missionaries when, when they share the gospel with people and they go, oh, that's who that is. Yeah, I know him. And they just, you know, I, I've, I've encountered him. I, I didn't know that's who that was. Okay. And then there are people who, who hear and just, you know, no, I want nothing to do that. And I think that within Judaism, there are people who do not have God. I think that within Christianity, there are people who do not have God. I don't know. Going from the way it was worded. Yeah. If you didn't accept that Jesus is there, well, then you must not believe in God. And to me, that'd be like, well, a Jewish person doesn't believe Jesus came yet, so therefore they must not believe in God. Well, I would also well, I mean, say it's abide in the teaching of Messiah, and and I think I think that that's a key point because the, one of the things that the rabbis have always said is it is better to follow the Lord's commandments and not know Him than to know Him and not follow His commandments. Because if you don't know Him and you're following His commandments, you reveal yourself to be more righteous. For doing what's right without knowing. And say for the deceivers have gone out of the world, for those who do not confess the coming of Yeshua HaMashiach in the flesh. So if you don't Which even verse? believe he was here, line seven. Right, okay. So if you don't even believe he was here, you must not believe in God. And that to me, that would take out all the Jews. Um, well, this was a Jew who, it was a Jewish person who was writing it, though. <laughs> yeah, came from Jewish and is now a believer. Um, I think that I think that what he, that it has to do with if you are teaching something and, and and with even within Judaism but also within within other things if you are not confessing Messiah you you know you you I'm trying they wrote to, it in the flesh as in he actually was here on earth and back then a lot of them did right uh, yeah they all knew he had been there. They just didn't necessarily believe he was the Messiah. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to. I, tr I know what you're saying, and I, I'm not disagreeing. I'm trying to word, figure out how to word. Uh, let's see. Um, I'm trying to see if her her wording helps with this. This is the one who wanders off the path. This is one who is an. Okay, this is this is how she how she how she translates in this one. Um, Starting with verse 6. And this is what love is, that we live according to his commands. This is the command, and you've heard it from the beginning, that you should live in this way. This is because many who wander off the path have emerged in the world, and they don't agree that Jesus, the anointed one, has come in human form. This is one who wanders off the path. This is one who is anti-anointing. Watch out for yourselves that you don't lose what you have worked for, but that you will receive your full reward. And anyone who goes ahead and doesn't continue with the teaching of the anointed one doesn't have God. So in other words, once you've heard and professed and don't continue with it, you don't have God. Does, does, that, does that make that's why, that's why I was trying to figure out how, how to express. So if you, if you don't know the Lord, if you've never heard and you're living righteously, and you know, then then there there are other things that talk about the ability for you to be in the kingdom or not. If you but once you have knowledge of him, once you have knowledge of him, a profession. Yeah. So like, because there there are people who who hear it and then you know, basically the the in the parable of the sower and the seed, you know, the weeds that choke it out or the scraggly um, <coughs> What's it? Which one? Scraggly. Yeah, well, the the yeah it falls it falls in the rocks and it grows but it can't it can't grow up and then it, the weeds and it chokes it out and so basically this is saying you know once you once you profess once you say you know because you've come into the community and 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 he, you know he is writing to an elder in a church or or to a, you know to the elect lady in this church and he's saying you know people who don't continue in the faith aren't they're they're not part of they you can't fellowship with them. You know, so if somebody if somebody has has professed faith, and then they begin to go back to the pagan temples and they're they're living an unrighteous life and they're not continuing with the commands of the Lord, yeah, 
you know, you need to you need to acknowledge what is. You can't you can't go by, but they said they believed, you know, but I, I saw them say that prayer, you know, but we gave them that card that said I was saved on this day. You know, <laughs> you know what is their life right now? And I, I, I that's what I think he's trying to say is if you don't if you don't continue in the teaching, if you don't continue living it, you are revealing that you don't know God. So he says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, verse 10, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Mm-hmm. So though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. So, you know, it's a very short kind of encouraging slash admonishing letter. Like, I, I, I love your community, you're all so wonderful, you know, yeah, except for those people who are still part of your community and not living rightly, yeah, get rid of them. <laughs> and I hope to see you soon. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I have more to say, but I'm, a, yeah. I'm cheap, so I don't want to waste paper and pen. No, I think, I think John actually was, <laughs> it's really funny to me because Paul's personality <laughs> was to vomit it all on the page. <laughs> And then to write as many letters as he needed to to try and clarify, no, that's not what I meant. You know? <laughs> no, I can't believe you took it that way. No, this is what I was trying to say. And you know, yeah, and yes, I meant that. That one I meant. And you know, whereas John is is very, you know, very he, yeah, and he's yeah, he's very. Let me encourage you. In the middle of that, I'm going to throw some admonishment in. And there's more I need to talk to you about, but probably better face-to-face. So I'm just going to close this out now, but, but we'll talk later. You know? Because it seems like when he starts off, he gives you encouragement. Here's the things I do like about you. But! But! you got to deal with this one. <laughs> there's a but there. But what, is, what would be interesting would be see see what he said to them face to face. I know, right? Yeah. yeah. That would be interesting yes. to know no, what he said to the Because, yes. okay. I, I mean, is he, is he still the same way? Is he still yeah, behind closed doors? You stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but I, I do, I do think there are some things that just communicate better face to face. You know, we, and it's interesting because you see this online a lot and with texting and with email and all of our modern technology, the written word cannot communicate tone. It cannot communicate body language. And those are, what, 80, 90% of, of communication. Mm-hmm. And so when we're reading someone's words, we provide those. And, and, you know, our expectations of that person and our feelings about that person and our experiences with that person and our, our perspective what we would mean if we were saying those things. We provide all of that. And, and it's, if you don't realize that, it's really hard to counter that. And, and it's very easy to, to take offense or to jump to conclusions. And, um, you know, and, and I think there's wisdom to, you know, if something is going to be a touchy subject or if you're not sure how to communicate it. To just say, you know, I, there's other stuff, but I'd rather talk to you face-to-face. Because when you're talking face-to-face, you can see the person's response. You can go, okay, clearly from your reaction, <laughs> you're not taking that how I meant it. <laughs> you know, let's, how are, what are you hearing? You know, and, but yet, I, I love Paul, too. <laughs> he's, just, he's just out there. You know, <laughs> he's just, I'm just going to say it. Yeah, and it and it really, I love reading the different letters because it really does help me. I, I know I know John's and I know Paul's. <laughs> to kind of see the see it in this different perspective, like, oh, I see what you're doing. I see why you're doing it. And neither one's wrong. You know, we actually have a lot more information to try and learn from from Paul than we do from John. Yeah, so so for our sake. Paul's response and Paul's approach was a little, though a lot of people misuse Paul so badly that maybe it wasn't better. <laughs> maybe we would be better to not have some information that Paul included, you know, because <laughs> we take it and read it. But, you know, so there's one more, there's one more book from uh, John that we'll do next week. And then when we come back after the 16th, 
Um, though, though I admit I'm dreading it. It'll, it's time to start Revelation. Is it really? Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, I know. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so are you saying we're not going to dot around? We're going to go to Revelation and stay there until we die? Yeah. Yeah. We'll go through Revelation. I know. And then I was kind of thinking, because once we get through Revelation, Liam, once we get through Revelation, we'll, we'll have done the whole New Testament. And so my thought after that was to jump into um, like the Old Testament histories and, like and the rest of it? yeah the re the rest of it yeah the rest of the Old Testament. I'm just gonna let you know, I have never read Revelation and I've only heard bits and chunks and pieces through it. That's most people. So so, so yeah, I'm like totally like looking forward to this. Yeah. It's gonna be exciting for me. Yeah. It it, it yeah. is exciting. Me too. It is exciting. I, even though I've read it, it I just I'm fascinated. Yeah. Because it's like, and I and I really do want to take the approach. I, I want I want to be able to. And part of why part of why I'm dreading it is because it is a book of prophecy. Yes. And and there is an aspect to prophecy that you can't fully understand it until it has happened. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, and then you go, you go, oh, that's what that meant. And Revelation is a book that so many people have said, this is what is going to happen. Very dogmatically, that, that it becomes kind of a minefield. So I really do, I want to look at the imagery. Where did John get the imagery from, if he got it from anywhere? Because... The vast majority of the imagery that John uses, and that, that's a part of why I'm glad we're reading John's letters, because we're seeing John's style before we go into Revelation, because it's the same author. And, and we're seeing his, his very conservative, you know, he's very much focused on being hearers and doers of the word, and, and what, what constitutes living rightly before the Lord. How do we know you're part of the kingdom or not? You know, it's, it's you do his commands, you, you have love for everyone. Um, he does not have, you know, he's the one who says perfect love casts out all fear because fear comes from punishment. There is not a heavy, in his, in his theology, there is not a heavy-handed God's out to get you theme. You know, it's not in the Gospel of John, it's not in his letters, and, and yet that's what a lot of people read into Revelation. You know, like, like he wrote all these letters and then he had an epiphany and, oh no, you know. <laughs> God's gonna smite you down, <laughs> and so so I wanna I really wanna say okay, did he get is he using imagery that comes from somewhere, and if so, what is it? You know, where did it come from? How was it understood? And also just to look at the text and go, what really is there and what isn't there? You know, th this is this is what it says. But is that real? <laughs> yeah, what have you heard taught about it? What teachings have you encountered from it? Does that actually seem consistent with what's in the text? Well, it's also going to be very interesting, too, is you're going to take into consideration what life was like then, because when you picture all hell breaking loose right now, I mean, you've got guns, you've got bombs, cars, yeah. you know, none of that kind of stuff existed, so... Or if they saw that kind of stuff. Yeah, or even... A, yeah, then even they, yeah. they didn't you know see what that is, exactly. Right, yeah. right. Machine. They even know what a machine was called a machine back then. You know? Yeah, it's and and it is it is interesting because there there are certain things that people go see. He didn't have a word for it, but he's describing this. And and sometimes I can go yes, and other times, if you dig, you go oh, this description is also found over here, where they said it, you know that it was talking about this, and so so it's it it is it's going to be interesting, and I think it's going to be fun, and I. Um, yes. <laughs> yes, I, I think it will take us. It will take us possibly through to Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's it will will kind of feel our way and figure out how much of a chunk we can do at once. But I, I think it's I think it's going to be neat. And um, no, it's 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 just the 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 imagery is. There's so much there. A lot can be twisted very easily. Yeah, there's so much there, and it's really going to take, I'm going to have to spend a lot of time trying to dig through finding the imagery, and it's, it's going to take a lot. Well, it's quite 
a lot more work for me. <laughs> but I but that's it. it's good though, and I I've been wanting to do it. It's just it's well, just like me, that. I look at it on the level of what was the technology in life like then. We know what it's like now. Just try to fathom fifty years from now. There's gonna be yeah. so many more things out there. You can't even think of what would be invented. Yeah. Right. It's gonna be like, oh wow, that's cool. The concept's not even in your head right, right now. Right. Yeah, if you saw a picture of it, you wouldn't even know how to describe it. How would you describe so try it? Try to describe it. Right, right, right. And and also how much, you know, we, we, I want to talk about how much is how much is prophetic imagery and how much is is known imagery. You know, okay. there there are things that are talking about future events and trying to describe them, but then there are things like like um, you know, references or or descriptions of the throne room of God that we can go back and go, oh, this is a picture, you know, this this is what God showed when he set up the tabernacle. Yeah. You know, and these then, are the tribes the surrounding it. There, and, then, and then with the elders and mm -hmm. the lambs and, mm -hmm. you know, and then of having, what, half animal and half Right, you know, right. And we'll see where that comes from and, and right, where else they encountered that. So it'll it will be exciting. It will be good, and we will do it in little chunks, which will make it easier. <laughs> Very little chunks. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Today we're doing the first quarter of, <laughs> of the first book. So, so may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn His countenance upon you and grant you His peace. Amen. Amen. Amen.